All right. What is up, guys? Adam and Beth here. Hi, listeners. We are here a month into the summer, and everything we've asked for is right here. We are busy, 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 but it is a good thing. Business is popping, and there's a lot going on. Uh, we got a lot of pacing gigs coming up, and we can't wait. Uh, we can't wait to get some asses across finish lines. <laughs> Our new slogan. Yes. I love it. Um, do you feel like we're busy? I feel very busy. I feel like things are kind of in a whirlwind, but in a good way. We just have a lot going on this summer. Yeah. Well, every weekend we have something yeah. going on. <laughs> <laughs> and my full-time job is busy also. So right, right. it's been great. A lot of races coming up. Um, we're looking forward to it. This last weekend, uh, I went out for a training run and you didn't come with me. This was what, yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday. I went out to, to catch some miles and... Uh, and uh, I got caught in a rainstorm, and I had to call you for help. It was a little more than a rainstorm. There was it was a hailstorm. Hail everywhere. It was. I wasn't wearing a hat. It was like pounding me in the head. Like it didn't feel very good. It hurt. I had to take shelter, and then I called you up, and I'm like, "All right, I'm I'm done. Come pick me up." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you had kind of got on a trail and just uh, was taking it wherever it led you, where it led you, right? Yeah. So you weren't really sure where you're going to pop out. No, I was just kind of wandering all over the place, just looking to catch some miles down in uh, in Pine. And uh, yeah, it started raining. I came out onto a road. I'm like, "Yes, I have phone service. I can call to be rescued." <laughs> So it's just another summer, just another summer day here in Colorado. Um, get hailed on, you got to call for help or hit your ride. Stuff happens all the time. Makes it more exciting. Yeah, I guess. It's always an adventure. Um, I've got a super inspirational guest for you guys this week. Gene the Ultra Geezer Dykes is 73 years old and he is out working almost all of us. He runs any and every race, ranging from one mile to 200 miles. He most recently broke the world record in his age group for the 50-kilometer distance, running it in three hours and 56 minutes. He's completed the triple crown of 200s, which is three 200-mile races in three months. Um, that's no joke right there. And he was also, check this out, Beth, he was voted number three on the list of 50 fittest over 50 Ooh. years old, beating out Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Nice. <laughs> Not many people can say that. <laughs> Gene has uh, a lot of wisdom, I thought, in the way he approaches his training and his racing, and he is not slowing down anytime soon. There's more world records to break, you know. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I did. Join us on Patreon. Beth, are you on Patreon? No, I'm not on Patreon. What? What is it? Why aren't... Okay, so <laughs> you don't know what it is. Okay, so <laughs> Patreon is a place where um, people like... Well, we'll say podcasts. Podcasters can put extra material on... It's like a social media platform and you pay a donation like five bucks a month, 10, 10 20 bucks a month, whatever you want to pay. And you get extra content. And on my Patreon, which I just recently started... Um, I've got, uh, you know, B-sides to, to interviews that I've done. I'll let listeners know a heads up on which guests are coming up. 
And by the way, I've got a fantastic guest coming up that you guys are going to love. And uh, you got to get on Patreon to find out because I get on the Patreon and then I ask you guys, like, what questions should I ask this guest? So I want to make this a little bit more interactive, and but I need you guys' help. So Beth, it's really easy to get on Patreon, and this is how you do it. You just download the app, okay. right? Okay. I know you love apps. <laughs> I love being on my phone. <laughs> just one more app, and then um, you create yourself a little profile. It takes like you know a couple minutes, and then you can donate to whoever you want to, whoever you want to support. There's all kinds of little indie podcasts or all kinds of people are using Patreon nowadays. Okay. So it's really easy to do. And then I don't care. Delete the app after that. I don't care. But get on it. Say hi. Check out what we're doing. Um, if you can afford to donate a couple bucks, it helps to keep this podcast alive. I'll get you a hat. I'll get you a shirt. And you're going to get the inside info of uh, what we're doing. You'll know when guests are coming on a couple weeks ahead of time. So um, we want to grow this thing. So check it out. So Beth, you got to donate. Doing it in five. Okay, sweet. Um, we want to thank our sponsors. First of all, ExoSkin. Um, I told you guys the story last week about my ExoSkin shorts. I wore them like three, four, five, maybe six times in a row. Didn't, yeah. Didn't wash them. They didn't smell. <laughs> um, and I'm really, really starting to dig these shorts. Uh, took a little while to grow on me, but I'm really loving them. They're super comfortable. Um, Exoskin makes a seamless athletic apparel brand that is made here in the U.S. Uh, provides protection from chafing, blisters, hot spots, and odor. If you're into anything outdoors, you got to check them out. Shorts, socks, shirts, hats, everything that they have has been through the world's most challenging races, and they've got a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you got nothing to lose. Check them out at exoskin.us. Use our discount code, capital BTC. 15% off. This podcast is also brought to you by On Pace Wellness. Will Benitez is working with some of the finest athletes around and helping them get even stronger. Will's a certified nutritionist and he knows what's up when it comes to diet and nutrition, although I don't think he likes the word diet. Uh, you want to take your game to the next level? Contact On Pace Wellness. Um, Maybe you just need a little bit of guidance. If you change, just a, take a couple things out of your diet and put a couple more things in, what's possible? You know, can you hit, hit, hit some PRs this year? Contact On Pace Wellness. Mention this podcast and he's going to give you a 10% discount and get you properly tuned up. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Brewing, the finest non-alcoholic craft beer on the market can have yourself a tasty treat or two without all the negative side effects you can have one in the middle of the day and not worry about driving you can have a couple at night and not have to worry about being groggy in the morning there's no hangover with this beer because there's no alcohol in it check them out athleticbrewing.com use my discount code uh capital mcroberts a20 all caps for 20 percent off the best na beer around buy two six packs or more and you don't have to worry about shipping costs either Enjoy the taste without the hangover. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the ultra geezer, Gene Dykes. Woo woo! Yeah, Gene. This 
This is the Do Big Things Podcast, where we want to inspire you to do big things. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, a service for ultra runners from beginner to elite. Not only can we get you trained up, but we can also crew you into the finish line. Find us at big-things-crewing.com. Now, here is your host, Adam McRoberts. Okay, we're rolling. Uh, this is another episode of the Do Big Things podcast, and I have a fantastic guest for you guys this week. Gene, would you mind uh, giving, giving us an intro, telling us who you are? Oh, well, I'm just uh, an old guy who discovered that he loves running. Actually, I've loved running all my life, but I discovered that uh, serious running was uh, something that was really great about 15 years ago, and I just decided to run a little further, a little faster, a little more often each year. And you wouldn't believe where that can take you. So <laughs> maybe we'll discuss some of that. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to get into it all. Um, you are 73 years old. Is that correct? Correct. And um, you are out there just crushing it. You just set a world record for the 50K uh, three hours, 56 minutes. Um, I've run several 50 Ks that is blazing fast. So congratulations. Um, how did this all start for you? This is, this is crazy. Oh, I guess it started when, uh, I, f I fell in with a bad crowd. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was out golfing with a guy he says, Oh, I have a running group. And I said, Oh, well, I used to run. Uh, I haven't been able to I told him I hadn't been able to run for six years because of an injury, but uh, maybe I, I was finally over that. And sure enough, I started running with him that fall and they talked about racing all the time. And so uh, one day I just uh, told my daughter, hey, let's go enter a seven mile trail race. You know, I'd never done a trail race before, but yeah. it sounded fun. And oh, it was a total hoot. I mean, jumping over branches and rocks and, and, uh, running through the woods. It was, it was amazing. And, uh, and I followed that up with a half marathon on the road and, and, you know, I wasn't beating anybody, but I saw that I was fairly competitive and basically I vowed that uh, I would run further on the trails and faster on the roads, okay. you know, as, as much as I could. And, wow. uh, it's, uh, still true 15 years later. Yeah. You've done that. So how old were you at this time when you first took up running? Well, when I first took up running was back when I was a kid, like 13 or 14. Okay. That was before running was a, a sport. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I ever saw anybody running. It just occurred to me to go running one day. And uh, yeah, so then I ran on track on, in high school and thought I was pretty good. And went to college thinking I'd be hot stuff too, but no, I, I stunk up the joint. It was, uh, it was pretty terrible. So knowing that uh, I was not a good runner, uh, I concentrated on sports during my adult life that I knew I was good at. Uh, I was very good golfer and bowler. And so I concentrated on those. I just ran for fun whenever I felt like it. Yeah. Just, you know, stayed in shape that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then um, if I got the story right, life went on. Eventually, I think you retired and took up running at the age of like late 50s. Does that sound yeah, right? 58 was when I started wow. racing. <laughs> Incredible. And you were retired from work at that point? Uh, not quite. Not quite. Uh, I probably retired from work when I was like 63. Okay. So the uh, work and running coincided there for a little while. Yeah. What did you do for a living? I was a computer programmer. Okay. I, I loved every minute of it. You know, yeah. I'd wake up in the morning and say, oh, boy, I get the computer program today. Really? <laughs> See, I'm so glad there's people like you because I would not be able to handle that job. Uh, it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you took up racing and then things quickly took off, it sounds like. You've been running for, uh, what is that, like 15-ish years now? So, Well, for seven years, I coached myself and you know, it means you have a fool for a coach and a fool for a client. Um, you know, I improved gradually, but I could see that I wasn't getting any better. And uh, then I hired a coach and okay. that's that that changed my whole life. Okay. I mean, really just transformed what are, it. What are a few of the takeaways that you took away from having a coach that really helped you improve? Well, the uh, if you want to get good at something, you hire a coach because, you know, if they're good, they know the right way to do things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just, you know, just guessing pretty much and totally underestimating what I was capable of. I thought, hey, I'm old. I've got to, you don't want to run on sore muscles because I'll get injured. And, and uh, so, no, he knew the right workouts for me to do. Uh, they were much harder than I was making myself do. Mm -hmm. But even had I tried to make myself do those workouts, uh, I wouldn't have been able to do them. But when my coach tells me to do them, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'd rather die than have to write back and say, hey, coach, you know, I couldn't do that workout. Yeah. No, no. And I'm out there. You know, I'm not. I just refuse to refuse to let him down. Yeah. And so the uh, the right workouts, the accountability, it's uh, it, it, it just really turned things around for me. Yeah. Yeah. sounds like it. When, uh, do you still have the same coach now? Sure. You don't hi fire a guy like that. Oh, no kidding. That's what I was going <laughs> to, I was wondering, like, um, how did you find your coach? Was it just a lot of online research or word of mouth or how did well, that work? It didn't take a whole lot. I just Googled Philadelphia running coach and, oh. uh, got a couple hits and he was the obvious choice. Uh, okay. you know, he, uh, even though he's in Philadelphia, he coaches me on the internet and, okay. uh, we get together socially and you know, we golf together and yeah. go, out to, go out to some social events, but uh, sure. the coaching is pretty much just uh, on the internet. Okay. So when you're casting a net for a coach, you don't go anywhere because <laughs> you know, it's easy to get good, uh, good coaching yeah. over the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you found the right one. Um, forgive me, but I thought you were calling from Philadelphia. Yes, I am. Oh, you are. You are. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so then you got a coach and what sort of, uh, you said the exercises were a little bit harder that he was prescribing you. Was it speed work? Were you lifting weights? Uh, or was, were you just strictly running in those days? Oh, I just, I just run. I'm kind of famous for that. I, yeah. People ask me for all these other, I think people are looking for silver bullets to help them run better, but <laughs> sure. it just comes down to running. You know, I don't stretch. I don't cross train. I don't do, do flexibility exercises, no special diet. You know, I, I just run and uh, anything else detracts from, detracts yeah. from that. 
Uh, but yeah, he had me working much, much harder. Uh, yeah, I, I said I was always reluctant to run on sore muscles. Uh, that certainly didn't stop his his <laughs> training me. Right. No, I'd get up. I'd barely be able to walk down the stairs, and and uh, I'd have to look at what he had assigned for the day. And I, you know, it's like, oh, there's no way. You know? Right. <laughs> and I have a little warm up for a mile where I feel terrible and. Yep. But everything clicks when uh, when it comes down to the nitty gritty. Good. That's and good. Uh, I, of course, now I'm a believer. Uh, it's running on sore muscles that uh, you know take you to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you a high volume guy? Are you running big miles every week, week after week? Well, probably big compared to some, and real small compared to others. <laughs> sure. I, over the a year, I averaged between forty-five and fifty miles a week. Wow. Okay, uh, that's include includes racing though, which yep. is almost half the miles because I race almost every weekend. Yeah, tell um, me about that. I took a look at your ultra sign up, and you've got a long list of ultra marathons. And if I understand right, you're doing five Ks, ten Ks, marathons. You're you're doing it all. Yeah. I, you know, fear of missing out, I guess. I'll do every distance. Uh, I hate 5Ks. Anything shorter yeah. that I totally despise. Oh, but, me too. But, uh, you know, I'm on a team and I have to, you know, I have to take one for the team now and then. Yeah. What What's the team? Uh, it's the Greater Philadelphia Track Club. It's the, you know, part of the Middle Atlantic USATF uh, uh, organization. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so when was your first ultra marathon? And what was that like? Oh, I was probably 61 or so. I'd probably done seven or eight marathons by then. I said, well, I'll go do the 50K. And, uh, oh, I got the full experience by going out too fast and <laughs> running while it was still sore from a week before. And the last six miles was just, just awful. Yeah. And, uh, but I'd done an ultra marathon. So I said, that's it, you know, never have to do another one of those again. Right. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, I might have kept to that, but uh, a friend from that running group I mentioned before said, uh, who wants to run Comrades? Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing thing. I had heard about Comrades when I was like in grade school or something. It's a 58-mile race in South Africa. And, you know, I had pictured running through the mountains and jungles and stuff. And it's really just a, you know, road race in the suburbs of, uh, of, of Durban. But uh, I said, so I immediately raised my hand and said, yeah, I'll do that. And for training for it, I ran three more 50Ks on consecutive weekends. And that's when I discovered that, hey, I'm not, I'm not, not as bad, that bad at distance running as I thought. Yeah. And, uh, and so then I added, instead of just, do, just doing marathons every year, I added a bunch of ultras every year. Mm -hmm. How was your comrades experience? Oh, I was battling nausea after about halfway through it. And I'd always had nausea if I ran further than 30 some miles. You know, I had done a couple 24 hour races where I had this problem. And like most people, I searched around for all the silver bullets, you know, get my nutrition right, get mm -hmm. my hydration right, get my electrolytes right. Didn't help, you know, I got sick. And <laughs> It turns out that I think for most people, if you get sick out there, it's because you're not prepared for the distance you're running. Um, and it's just a matter of getting uh, in better shape. Hmm. I'm in better shape now. Now I can run for four days and not get sick. So yeah. uh, 
Yeah. It so all comes down to training. So you don't really get sick anymore? Not, uh, not really. Okay. When did that switch? Um, did you get to a certain point in your fitness where you just felt confident that once you're at a, at a certain level, you're not going to get sick anymore? Yeah, it started, you know, easing up. I'd only get sick when it was maybe hotter or more stressful. Uh, but I guess one thing that got me over it, this is, might be a hint to anybody else who has trouble getting sick in long distance, is that uh, there's, a, there's a medicine. You have to get a prescription for it. It's called Zofran or Andosterone. It's, a, it's for cancer patients who are getting chemotherapy and are, you know, get nauseated. Uh, my daughter researched it and said it's absolutely safe. And I've met doctors on the trail who, who also use it. And I don't have to use it much now because it helped me get over the hump. You know, sure. by using that, I was able to go longer and get my body accustomed to, to doing that kind of distance. Okay. I might take it prophylactically, you know, just drop one, but uh, mm -hmm. pretty much I can go a long way now without, without getting sick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought I was just one of those people who just couldn't handle it. It turns out, you know, your body says, look, you know, slow down. You know, I'm getting tired. You know, your muscles are aching. But if you keep going, your body says, okay, I'm going to shut you down. You know, yeah. this is this is too hard. Yeah. And uh, nausea is your way of, body's way of telling you that. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's a pro tip right there, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from the man himself. Uh, what was the, the drug called? Uh, Zofran. Zofran. Okay. All right. Um, and then when did you tackle your first hundred miler? That would have been, oh, I don't know, a couple of years later. Uh, you know, uh, I did a 50 miler, uh, trail race following that, uh, following comrades, probably the next year I decided to do a hundred miler and I picked a nice flat one and, but, uh, you know, I still hadn't gotten over my nausea yet. I had to run the last 60 miles sick to my stomach. That was no fun at all. <laughs> so, of course, I swore, no, I'm never going to do 100 again. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, ultra, you'll hear that from a lot of ultra runners. Oh, yeah. Every time they increase the distance, say, I'll never do that again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I finally decided I, I knew how to cure nausea. It, it was a while before I realized it was just a matter of fitness, but I found that by drinking uh, a lot of Coke instead of solid food, that helped. And uh, it was about probably that time my daughter prescribed me that medicine. Okay. So uh, and I started doing one, two, three hundred milers a year. Yeah, no kidding. What was your very first hundred miler? It was called the Pine Creek Challenge in Northern Pennsylvania. It okay. uh, runs through uh, what they call the Grand Canyon of Pennsylvania. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it was flat, it was on a rail trail, but it was remarkable in that I saw more wildlife in that one race than my other three or 400 races combined, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. just about if, I think if there was an animal that lives east of the Mississippi, I, I saw it, you know, it was yeah. uh, just, you'd shine your flashlight out into the woods running at night and you'd see all these eyes staring back yeah. at you. <laughs> <laughs> So did you correct? Did did you just say three or four hundred races? Oh, over fifteen years. If I do thirty races a year, yeah, I probably thirty races a year. Races. No I'm just kidding. guessing. Yeah, yeah. And so that's uh, from five k up. 
Well, actually, unfortunately, it's from a one mile up. <laughs> well, okay, you've done a one mile too. I That's... had to do a one miler this year. And <laughs> slightly shorter is 1500 meters. I did a 1500 meters in 2018. It was the first time I'd run shorter than a 5K. And, you know, I had never trained for that speed. It was, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done mentally <laughs> and, and physically. Yeah. And I was up against, you know, like the world record holder at the distance. And oh, no kidding. I just swore I was going to hang on for dear life, life to him. It was, uh, it was quite the race. Yeah. And I know your ultra running has, has gone into two hundreds and the triple crown. And I want to talk about all that, but, um, when did you start setting your, your mind on, uh, tagging some of these world records? Uh, it would have been, let's see, probably about when I was 67 or so, I, you know, I had gotten my marathon time down to 304. Mm. And the age group record for the 65, 69 was, you know, something insane. I, I had no chance at that. So I looked ahead a few years and I said, well, the age group for 70 to 74 was Ed Whitlock's famous time of 254.48. And I looked at that and said, no, no, nobody will ever beat that in the next hundred years. So I stumbled upon this website that had a list of world records by single age, you know, like 70 years old and 71 years old and 72. Okay. And uh, Ed Whitlock had had a couple bad years there. <laughs> so 70 and 71 were, were beatable. Okay. Um, there was just like three minutes faster than my 304. Okay. So, uh, so I set my sights on that. Kind of told everybody I knew I was going to try and set the single age record for age seventy. Yeah. And uh, and and uh, you know the time came and I actually ran two fifty eight something wow. like that. And and so it was at that point that I thought that I was also in range of the age group record of 254 I mean, heck only four more minutes yeah and i i tried three times in uh two more times that year first time i came up 23 seconds short next time i beat it by 25 seconds so okay uh, uh you know i had met ed and he said that he was most proud of that record and he did he was he thought that was the safest record he had whereas I think he was totally wrong. That's the only record of his I can beat. He was so fast. His <laughs> half marathon, 15K, 10K, 5K times, they're just, they're just insane. I, I have no, no hope of, of, of beating him. <laughs> uh, but you snagged a couple of them. Um, so did you, so at that time, did you have the marathon age record? Well, at, when I, when I beat his record by 25 seconds, I beat the record, but I didn't have the record. Okay. Uh, in order to get a record, there's a lot of things uh, you have to satisfy. It has to be a certified course. Yep. It was no problem. Nobody doubts that I ran something other than a legitimate marathon course. It was record eligible, which meant it, you know, more or less ended where it started. But uh, every country has its own rules. In the U.S., the race has to be sanctioned by the USA Track and Field, and I thought the race director had indicated to me that he was going to do that, and he didn't. So there's just no two ways about it. It it, it couldn't be ratified as a as a record. Gotcha. Um, so, but I, I wasn't disappointed. Really, I only tried 
to beat the record as a as a personal goal and yeah. heck i'd just be a flash in the pan if i couldn't do it again so you know <laughs> I'll see how training goes. Maybe I'll give it a try later on this year. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. Well, I bet you you never years have been uh, kind of lost. Yeah, I bet you you never let that happen again, though. <laughs> Run a race that wasn't sanctioned if you were really going for a record. No, I I know uh, how to cross the T's <laughs> and dot the I's now. Good, good. Um, what was last year like for you? I know most of the races were canceled. Um, were you out doing solo projects, or were you doing anything? I managed to get in a few races before uh, everything uh, hit the fan. Uh, I got a 100-mile race in in New Zealand, wow. ran the Los Angeles Marathon with my daughter. Uh, shortly after all the races shut down, there was a race called the Virtual Backyard Ultra, and uh, that was a lot of fun. You, each person picked his own 4.167-mile loop, and you have to run it once an hour you have to be at the start line at the top of the hour and you have to finish before the next hour starts you know it starts out easy you have 15 20 minutes for the next lap and then later on you only have eight or seven minutes and, yeah. uh, i managed to get 24 laps in which is exactly 100 miles oh, i nice. finished six seconds before the cutoff and uh, <laughs> so that was a great race but i spent uh, pretty much the rest of the year injured um, uh, so you know it's kind of you know, you can't help but feel like, well, I'm sure glad that race was canceled because I couldn't run it anyway. You know? yeah, well, you picked <laughs> I feel sorry for everybody else, but boy, it, it was, it was a happy, it was a good year for me to be injured. Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. It's a great year for you to be injured. So, um, and what was your injury? It was a whole bunch of odd right foot injuries. I, I, you know, I had, every time I, something went wrong, I had an MRI and nobody was ever able to diagnose it. It just, one of the things eventually went away with rest or the right okay. stretching or something. Okay. Okay. Um, and you're feeling good now? You're feeling healthy? Yep. I'm feeling pretty good. Nice. A little worried. I, I just, you know, six days after that 50 K I ran a hundred mile race. That was this past weekend. <laughs> and, uh, which one? It was called the Mohican 100. Oh, it's yeah. in Ohio. Yep. And it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. It was mm. pretty much technical the whole way, you know, if you didn't keep your, eyes on the ground, you're going to you know, fall on roots. Mm. And in the second lap, it was a sort of four loops. In the second loop, uh, I went down hard three times. And uh, I don't know, today my ribs are sore. I've got this kind of twinge in my back. And I, don't know, I wouldn't be surprised to have a pinched nerve somewhere. So I have mm. to watch that. Okay. It doesn't affect anything right now. So just a kind Good. of an annoyance. Good. Um, and uh, before we got on here, you mentioned that you're packing up for another big trip coming up. Yeah, it's a good, crazy summer. I'm going <laughs> to go golfing for uh, four or five days in Oregon. Oh, okay. Then I fly to Minneapolis where I'm going to run a 50K with my older daughter. That'll be her first uh, ultra. Oh, cool. I also ran her first marathon with her. Oh, nice. And then from there, I fly to San Francisco where my younger daughter lives. And we're going to drive to Yosemite National Park, where we're doing a uh, supported four-day adventure run. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, that's going to be great. Okay. <laughs> Holy cow. You are booked. Um, how do you plan out your races, Gene? Do you look uh, like a year ahead and say, I want to sign up for this ultra and start planning your year around it? Or are you, do you sign up for races last minute? No, I'm, I'm pretty well booked for okay. well, this year. I'm totally booked uh, yeah. 
you know, normally I'll, I'll look for an empty weekend and say, oh, I got to sign up for a race there. But uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely full for the rest of the year. Yeah. Well, I could probably squeeze in something somewhere, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I collect, uh, you know, links to all the races I'd like to do and some of, and usually about November or so I'll plan out, you know, when I'm going to do a big ultra and what records I might be wanting to look at. And, okay. Uh, next year will probably be kind of a hybrid like this year where I have a few records in mind and a few ultras I want to do. Mm. But in a couple of years, I'll be 75 and I'll probably do what I, what I did when I was 70, which is to, uh, is to not do ultras so much and just concentrate on, uh, you know, national races. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, you did the triple crown in 2017. Um, I got to hear about this. I'm well, doing my, here. I'm doing my first 200 miler this year and you are a seasoned veteran. So, uh, give me any, give me anything you got tips, pointers. I'll take them all. Which 200 mile are you doing? Sangre de Cristo in Colorado. Sangre de Cristo. Gee, I don't know about that one. Quick. Is there, is there still room to say <laughs> there probably is <laughs> I'm almost positive. There is. Yeah. Most people do one of the uh, triple crown of two hundreds out West, you know, Bigfoot 200 Tahoe 200 and the Moab 240. Well, yeah, if you, you want to talk up? about big adventures, uh, boy, that triple crown is where it's at. Okay. I'll be interested to hear, uh, hear about yours. I don't know what the topology is, but uh, those three two hundreds I mentioned are all, you know, kind of unique routes. They don't uh, duplicate anything. Yeah. They're either a point to point or one big loop. Yep. Yep. Um, it, uh, you know, I kind of fell into the, doing the triple crown. I, like a lot of people, I kind of picked Tahoe 200 as my first one. And then she announced that uh, the Moab 240 was going to be run. And I said, oh, I, I, I want to do that one more than Tahoe. <laughs> so I'll sign up for that too. And I said, well, if you signed up for two out of three, it's kind of silly to sign up for the other one. <laughs> yeah. So I did the Bigfoot 200, which was a good thing because that is easily the most awesome race any distance, anywhere, anytime. It's really? just just totally an amazing, uh, uh, amazing race. Okay. And uh, I'm going to do it again this year. Yeah, so that's I'll be doing thought. that in August. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. So tips. Uh well, on a point-to-point -point or big loop race where you're not coming back to some place where you can, you know, you can have a nap, or, you know, a, a good sleep or something. The idea is don't try and plan your 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 sleep because it, it's just not. You don't know where you're going to be when. You don't know mm -hmm. when you're going to be tired. The mm -hmm. best thing to do is just run until you can't stand it anymore, and then uh, take a two-hour nap okay. and uh, keep going. Yeah. Uh, between naps and caffeine, you know, you'll make it through, and uh, then you'll sleep 16 to 20 hours straight <laughs> afterwards. Right. At the end of every 200, it's always been, I've always had the feeling I could keep running forever. Running mm. is not the problem. Mm. Uh, it's the sleep. You know, mm. if, if you're up against the cut and you're not getting much sleep, you, you know, eventually you're just going to run up against the deadline. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, run when you can, walk when you can't sleep only when you have to. Okay. Perfect. That actually sums it up. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, how did you approach your triple crown in terms of training? Um, did you increase your volume quite a bit beforehand? Nope, not nothing. Really? I just, 
you know, I had done several other ultras early in the year. I, I never train for ultras. I just do them. And each ultra is training for the next one. Yeah. Uh, for Bigfoot, I knew there was a lot of climbing. So, uh, oh, I know. I did a stair climbing session one day. Uh, I climbed up 27 stories uh, and took the elevator down 16 times. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that was useful. I've, I've sort of trans I found a good hill in a park nearby that is a pretty stiff climb for uh, about a third of a mile. Yeah. So I'll do that for three hours, uh, you know, two or three times in the weeks preceding. Because okay. you really have, to, if there's a lot of significant elevation gain, and at Bigfoot, there's 50,000 feet of climbing, which is, you know, that's, that's a, a lot. That's a lot of climbing. <laughs> 50,000 uh, feet is a long way to run, but uh, <laughs> climbing, you know, vertical. Uh, but yeah, if you're not uh, if you're not strong climbing legs, you're it's going to hurt your ability to finish, and uh, definitely you'll feel it the following week. Yeah. Uh, oh, big time. So, what kind of running were you doing between your two hundreds when you were doing the triple crown? Were you doing any other races? Uh, yeah, and just to show you, uh, <laughs> it can be done between. Uh, I guess between Tahoe and Moab, I, I broke the record in the 15K. Oh, no way. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's possible. I'm sure I ran several races. In, in yeah, there. I'm sure you did. Yeah, probably wow. took a week off and then did what I could in between. Yeah, yeah. Good grief. Um, um, what does your recovery look like? Do you do anything specific? Oh, for most things, most normal races, it's one day of recovery and then of, of rest and then maybe a four mile jog, and then six, then my coach will, you know, throw in some pickups and strides and so on. And, but within three or four days, I'm back to, back to full training, okay. uh, for a 200, you'll want to take a week off. Yeah. No doubt. For sure. Uh, you know, maybe a little light jogging toward the end of the week. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, all of this. People say I have a recovery superpower. Um, but to me, it all comes down to what do you train your body to do? And your body responds to training. And mm. it'll, uh, by racing every weekend, I've I've conditioned my body to recover within a week. Mm. Um, you know, uh, one time I had the bright idea that in December and January, I was going to run eight marathons in four weekends. So I ran Saturday and Sunday, you know, <laughs> two weekends each month. Yeah. And, uh, so now I was not only recovering, you know, in a week, I was recovering in a day yeah. and it can be done. I was frequently ran the Sunday marathon faster than the Saturday one. Wow. So if you have a weakness, you know, go out there and uh, do something about it. Yeah. I couldn't run in the heat. So I signed up for a stage race in the desert. Nice. It was 115 degrees at the finish line. I've <laughs> never had trouble with heat since. <laughs> was that the desert rats? Yep. Okay. I wanted to ask you about that because that's actually taking place right now. And uh, we're going oh. out to help uh, volunteer at that race. So mm -hmm. what, what was your experience there? Well, boy, I had a definitely an interesting experience. Uh, two weeks before I, I got uh, Lyme disease. Oh, no. And I was being treated with uh, I don't know, whatever that stuff is. And it makes you extremely sensitive to the sun. And I said, well, that's all right. I'll just put on lots of suntan lotion. But no, that, that, that doesn't work. Just exposing your skin to the sun 
when you, you're taking that medicine just makes it burn. Okay. And I was borrowing stuff from everybody. I was going out, you know, like a, uh, I don't know, with all kinds of borrowed stuff that covered <laughs> all of my body. It was the only way I could make it through the week. Whoa. So, uh, but the, you know, the heat turned out not to be too big a problem because, you know, it's a dry heat. Yeah. And uh, uh, really, you just have to make sure you have a lot of water. A lot of water. Yeah, that's a five-day race, though. And so you are out there with Lyme's disease. I mean, that doesn't sound healthy or fun or <laughs> any of the above. Boy, for, for days, I was just sick as a dog. And I couldn't get the doctors to take me seriously. You know, finally, my whole body... I turned into a rash over like 60% of my body. And finally they decided, oh, you know, maybe something's wrong with this guy. <laughs> and they gave me some piddling amount of medicine for it. And uh, doctors, a lot of doctors really don't understand Lyme disease. So I called my, my daughter, uh, the one who gave me that other medicine. And she prescribed uh, a sufficient amount uh, of the stuff to take for 20 days, because the worst thing you can do is just tamp down Lyme disease and let it go dormant. Right. Because when it reemerges, uh, then then your running career is over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to make sure I killed it off. Wow. <laughs> Was there any, ever any time where you thought maybe I shouldn't do the Desert Rats 150 mile five day stage race? Maybe I should just sit this one out and put my feet up. Well, sure, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's not my style. You don't do that, do you? <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, well, I, you know, this 100-miler, I signed up for that before the 50K date was announced. And I said, gee, should I run 100 miles six days after 50K? Yeah, why not? Why so, not? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. Um, one of your nicknames is the Ultra Geezer. Do you mind that moniker? Oh, uh, not at all. My... My daughter is it's kind of interested in my career. She's sort of like my unofficial agent. Oh, cool. Always trying to get me to monetize things. And I'm just, I just want to run, you know? Yeah. But she says, Dad, you got to work on your brand. We need a hashtag for you. And I said, well, you know, so we, you know, threw some ideas around for 10 minutes. And I said, how about ultra geezer? You know, it's, it's got that double meaning. It means, you know, ultra old, and it means a geezer who runs ultras. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, she, immediately she knew that was just right. Perfect. She made me up this nice hot pink uh, shirt that I wear that has my age and the number of marathons and ultras I've done. Oh, uh, no kidding. Uh, so uh, I guess there's no flying under the radar for me when I go to a race. <laughs> People are going to know who you are, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting, though. That's pretty awesome. And uh, I read something that you were on. Named number three out of the 50 fittest over 50 list, beating out Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. What? Well, you know, everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that was just one group. Where? Uh, what who was knows what group? criteria they used? Like, yeah, I have to know. Is this something you signed up for or they found? No, you? no, they just kind of picked me out of the blue. Yeah, okay. That's awesome. Um, I mean, you know, bragging rights for all this stuff. Uh, what do you have your eyes on for world records? Well, I had three, three for this year, the 50 K earlier. So that's one down and two one to down. go. Okay. The next one will be kind of easy too. Uh, it's a 12 K, you know, uh, it's immediately apparent why it's easy. Probably you didn't even know 12 K was a thing, you know, <laughs> I mean, everybody knows 10 K 15 K, but 12 K kind of falls between the cracks. And like a 50K, 
the 12K is a distance that Ed Whitlock never did. You know, ah. if he had done a 12K, I wouldn't be able to beat it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm not quite sure. Probably the record I'm going after is 10 or 15 years old or so. But okay. uh, uh, the hard part is finding a race that's certified and sanctioned. And oh yeah. Fortunately, the USATF runs a 12K uh, a national championship race, and uh, so you're pretty well guaranteed that it's record eligible. Okay. And then the hardest one will be the London Marathon, where I'll try and uh, beat uh, that age group record again, uh, this time officially. And well, it's just, I just don't know yet what, how, what kind of shape I'll be in. Sure. Uh, I've got a, a month in July and a month in, uh, you know, like a three week period in July and a three or four week period in August uh, and September, where I'll be able to train hard. And I just have to hope that running ultras has given me such a strong base that I don't need many weeks to turn that into uh, speed. But uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. When I, when I beat the record in 2018, that was my 40th race of the year. And Whoa. I just getting stronger after every race, race. I won't have done that many races this year. And I worry that uh, I just won't have raced enough to, to do it. All this is counter to conventional wisdom, which says you've got to, you know, pick your pick your challenges and don't do a whole lot in between. But I you know, I I just don't cotton to that at all. <laughs> wow. Um, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite distance out of all the distances you run? Oh, I guess uh, from half marathon up. Uh, you know, they all have their their virtues. Uh -huh. The Bigfoot 200 is my favorite race. So okay. 200s are such an adventure. You're you're doing you're doing something for five days and four nights. Well, if you're slow like me, you are. The the winners are out there doing it in two and a half days. Right. But uh, you know, us back of the Packers, we're out there uh, just immersing ourselves in something for days without yeah. much sleep, and it really seeps into you. And mm. boy, can you see a lot of scenery. I took I took like 230 pictures at Bigfoot, 180 at Moab. Wow. Uh, it was just uh, just in, in, incredible scenery. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite races is a 50 mile trail race in Ithaca, New York called the Cayuga, Cayuga Trails 50. Uh, just, just an amazingly beautiful race running through river gorges with waterfalls and cascades and cliffs. It's, it's, it's an amazing race. That's the only race that I do every year just for the fun of it. Okay. I'll do Boston every year for the competition, but uh, no, this race, this race is just too good to miss. Wow. Um, I forgot to ask you, what's the current record for the marathon right now? Uh, the age group record is 254.48. 254. So, but you've done that before, haven't you? 254.23. Yeah. Okay. And that was not sanctioned? Right, the race was not sanctioned, so it. Uh, it wouldn't count as a record. Got so it. I have to try and do it again. So I've got 25 seconds there to, to fiddle around with. Uh, <laughs> if right. I haven't gotten 25 seconds worse in three years, then that'll be a help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could also try and lose more weight. Um, it's a well-known rule that uh, it's two seconds per pound per mile, which for a marathon means if you can lose a pound, you're going to gain 52 seconds. Mm. And I think I could lose three or four pounds if I set my mind to it. Uh, okay. 
that would be uh, several minutes right there. But yeah. mainly it comes down to training. Can I, and uh, whether I have enough time to yeah. train to do it. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. What's it like setting a world record? Is it a big deal? Well, you know, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I went down to Jacksonville. I didn't tell anybody I was going to try and break the record there. Ah, even uh, cooler. <laughs> and I thought, oh, you know, if I break the record, I'll post it on Facebook. A few friends will say congratulations, and that'll be it. Yeah. I was totally, totally dumbfounded <laughs> that uh, people found this uh, really interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I guess they see me as the, uh, you know, the spokesman for for uh, geezers, you know, old people <laughs> these days. And uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, I think I really have opened up a lot of eyes to people that you don't have to kill yourself when you're run, when you're young running. You can you can have a blast when you're older. It, it's definitely possible to, you don't have to run at my level. You just have to run, uh, you know, enough to have a lot of fun or a lot right. of adventure. Right. And if you're competitive, uh, yeah. if you're competitive, all you do is try and beat yourself each week. Yeah, that's that's a lot of fun, which is what I was trying to do. Uh, to to beat that record was just a personal a personal goal, and uh, that I had set for myself. And and my thought when I crossed that finish line was, oh great, now next year I can just do ultras and stuff, and I won't have to <laughs> worry about you know beating that marathon again. Um, so uh, I don't want to be a flash in the pan. If, if I can only do it once, then I don't know. To me, it wasn't worth worth beating the record. So yeah. no, I was I was not disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um now let me decline that. Oh yeah. There's no there we go. Hope she gets the point. That was my daughter calling. Oh, uh oh. <laughs> you can take it if you Sorry. want. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, can't talk right now. Bye. There we go. I'll <laughs> okay. take care of that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so if you had to choose between a 100-mile or 200-mile race, would you typically choose the 200-mile? Oh, 200s are a lot more fun. Really? I, kind of easier, if you ask me. Okay. 100-mile, you have to do in one day. You know, yeah. So you're running pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, I killed myself at this, uh, at this race uh, last weekend. Um, you know, running so hard. Uh, but in a 200 mile, you can run basically twice as slow. Uh, they give you a hundred hours to finish. Yeah. Usually, you know, four day, days and change. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. So you're running at a relaxed pace and uh, seeing a lot. Uh, yeah, you'll be you'll be thrilled with your 200. What is the topology of your 200? Is it uh, one oh, loop run a lot of times or several loops coming back to the same place or it's kind of a point? it's kind of a back and forth uh so i'll be going out one way and coming back several times and then doing another big climb several times with a central aid station and so i'll have a van all set up i'll be able to take naps and food and crew and everything so yeah logistically it's set up pretty well and i think there's you know i don't know exactly forty thousand feet of climbing so you know it's it's a colorado race so it's a good one mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, every, uh, you know, some people refuse to do certain kinds of races. You know, I do them all. They all have their advantages and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've run 205 miles on a one mile loop. Uh, <laughs> I've run 24 hours on a track, a hundred miles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said for coming back to your, 
you know your stash every every lap and yeah. and one of the things that's hardest mentally on these really long ones is deciding when you have to walk and when you have to run and mm -hmm. but if you're on a short loop you can pick out these points and when you reach that point you know you take a walk break reach the next point you run and there's just no question about it so it takes you the mind game out of it and yeah. it's it's kind of a a motivation i mean you don't want to break your your uh, your rhythm so mm -hmm. you always do the same thing every lap yeah uh there is no such thing as the same thing when you're doing a point to point 200 mile race right yeah yeah um have you ever tried to get into hard rock or any of those races no uh, hard rocks hiking as far as i'm as far as <laughs> yeah. i can tell yeah. um i'm not interested in hiking i'm really? interested in running as much as i can uh, okay. even if it's you know at bigfoot you know i tend to remember running all the time you know truth be told it's probably only 20% of the time, but uh, I mean, right off the top of, right off the top, you're 50% of it is uphill and you're not going to run uphill at, yeah. after you're just a little bit tired. Yeah. Then you got the parts that are too technical, the parts that are too steep, mm -hmm. uh, the parts where you're just a little too tired. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of good reasons to walk uh, in a oh, 200, yeah. Oh, yeah. but when you only have to average overall 30 minutes per mile, you know, you can walk. Yeah. I, my rule of thumb is I want to average 18 minutes per mile when I'm moving. Okay. And uh, I figure uh, that'll get me in. That'll get you there. To all the listeners who think 18 minutes a mile, I mean, who couldn't do that? Yeah. Let me tell you, you know, time, pace, distance, all these things completely change when, you, when you're doing 100 miles or 200 miles. Um, I mean, mainly it's because well, you've all heard of hitting the wall in a marathon mm -hmm. or bonking. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. Eventually you run out of glycogen and you have to rely on fat and fuel. Mm -hmm. And that's a steady, a steady state kind of thing. And you, you just can't pick up the pace because you haven't got enough energy, energy to do it. But it doesn't get any worse than that. I mean, what could be worse than hitting the wall, right? So <laughs> you just you just do with the energy your body can provide and uh, you just keep on, uh, keep on going. Yeah. Are you a believer in the trail nap? Do you just lay right down in the trail and pass out for a while? I tend not to, I don't know. I'm uh, a couple times. I've found a really convenient place I'm up against the base of a tree. Once I found a real comfortable position and that got me a good half hour, half hour nap. I tried it at Tahoe, I guess. And uh, I don't know, all kinds of bugs got all over me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's lots worse things than bugs out there. In Australia, <laughs> there are deadly snakes. And in Moab, there's scorpions and all kinds of crud like that. No, I, I really find it comfortable just to lie down in a chair. They have sleep stations where you get on a cot, but they're usually hard as nails. Right. I just lean back in a chair, throw some blankets on. Okay. I can doze off real fast that way. Okay, okay. Um, was it the Tarawara that you did in uh, New Zealand? Yep, that was uh, early last year. Okay, how did that go? Not well. Uh, I completed the race under the race cutoff, but that was supposed to be my Western States qualifier, uh, and uh, it was it was just way too hard. I, the Western States qualifiers are all over the map. That's true. Uh, like this one was probably. You know, it was just doable for me. It was a 32-hour cutoff at Mohican, and I went 
got in in 31 and a half. Yeah. But then you've got ones like Rocky Raccoon, which has a 30 hour cutoff, and I can do that under 24 hours. Sure. So the uh, official cutoff for uh, the Tarawera was, I think, 34 hours, but I had to beat. I don't know, 30 hours or something even shorter for a Western States qualifier. Oh. Uh, There's just no way. Okay. There are a few others. That Bigfoot 200 this year is a Western States qualifier. Now, I think they should let anybody who can finish it, but no, <laughs> it's like 90 hours. And there's no way I could do that in 90 hours. Okay. Just, so some qualifiers are possible and, and some aren't. Yeah. And, uh, but at least I got mine in this year because yeah. if I'd have failed this past weekend, uh, I'm not quite sure what I would have done. <laughs> Probably done Rio del Lago in uh, November. Okay. So you've got it all mapped out. You know, like if this one fails, I've got another one sort of lined up here. Um, it sounds like you're pretty meticulous about the way you plan out your races. Yeah. Well, I had a backup, but uh, boy, it would have been, it would have been tough on my schedule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, do you take any rest days, any days off? Do you get good sleep? What's your, uh, rest? Oh, yeah. I'm certainly at least one day a week. I'm not doing any running at all. Okay. You know, rest, rest is an important part of training. Yeah. Usually follow rest day with just an easy four to six mile run. Okay. You know, maybe a recovery run pace, which is for me is in like say eight thirties yeah. or maybe even an easy pace, something like nine thirties. Okay. Um, but, uh, uh, they're not as fun as the hard workouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're I right. love love coming in on fumes. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I keep a question keeps uh, slipping my mind for you. Um, uh, keep losing it. Um, so you got the Bigfoot two hundred this year, though. So, um, do, are you doing any hundreds between now and then? Let's see. Uh, don't believe so. Doing a 50K, four-day adventure run. I don't know. Uh, I've got an outdoor, the USATF outdoor track meet in July. Okay. Uh, where I'll be doing a whole bunch of events, 10K, 5K, maybe the 1500, <laughs> even though I hate it. Uh, steeplechase, triple jump. Oh, whoa. You know. As long as you're going to go to a meet, you might as well do as You might as well do them all, huh? Man, I love it. See, that's, you just epitomize everything that we're all about. This is the Do Big Things podcast, and we're all about inspiring people to get out and just get outside their comfort zone, do big things, whether that's races or whatever else, whatever else it is in their life. Were you generally a a pretty healthy guy leading up to the beginning of your um, competitive running? Like, did you lead lead a, a healthy adult life? Yeah, I've always been pretty, I mean, as I said, I didn't totally not run. I, I, I yeah. jogged. I always wanted to be in shape enough to jog. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, somehow I was able to match my seafood diet with my my output. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think when at one point I had bloomed, ballooned up to 160 or something. I just hated it. That's an important thing. If you really hate getting gaining a few extra pounds you know you can you can get it off uh, yeah. i guess a lot of people really don't mind and you know and that's okay you know it's however you're happy with your your body condition but boy i i just felt miserable when i when i gain a few pounds and uh, so you know uh, so i'll take it off yeah. um 
but you said you don't have like a special diet that you follow or nope. is there nope. any superfoods that you incorporate? Like, uh, I don't know, lots of broccoli or kale or uh, anything like no. that. Well, the only, only thing I take, I guess, is uh, a little whey protein. Yep. I'll shake it up with some milk and okay. uh, uh, maybe after when I'm feeling particularly sore, like this week, I'll have uh, a couple, a couple jars full of it. Okay. Um, and, you know, hard to tell whether it's really effective. My doctor daughter says, nah, you know, you know, extra protein's not going to help any. So, yeah, yeah. but you know, can't hurt. Yeah. Um, are you generally a pretty competitive person? Like I, I know you're competitive against yourself and if there's a record to break, you're competitive there, but are you normally, when you see someone up ahead of you in an ultra marathon, do you think, okay, I've got to pass this person? Oh, not in an, well, I don't know. I guess, well, in an ultra marathon, if I see somebody up ahead of me, I'll pick it up, but that's only so I can jog alongside them and yeah. share some stories and <laughs> right, stuff. Right. But in road racing, yeah, I guess I'm, you know, I'm pretty mild mannered until the starting gun goes off and then. Yeah. And if I'm out training, you, you know, you're out there running, then all of a sudden you see somebody up ahead, yep. <laughs> you'll pick up the pick pace. Up a little bit. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's just the magic of the starting gun that brings that on. I, yeah. I, you know, I really don't care much in between races. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, it's pretty fascinating. It's, it, I mean, you're just doing so many races. It's incredible. <laughs> well, and it's important to know you can your body responds to how you train it you know, and you set goals everybody you know has i'll ask people what's your next race and if they don't have a next race you know there's something wrong here <laughs> something's wrong with this picture how can you how can you be a runner and not know what your next race is going yeah. going to be yeah. um and i mentioned that uh, you know i was golfing and bowling and important points and so of course you know, I had a, you know, always wanted to bowl a 300 game. And uh, most bowlers, most bowlers want to bowl a 300 game, but do they do what it takes to bowl a 300 game? Okay. Do they analyze their style? Do they try and get rid of what's holding them back? No, they don't. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen guys, you know, I know they're serious about the game, but they have the same flaws year after year after year. And I really straightened out my game you know, eliminated the inconsistencies and I upped my mental game. I would go to bed at night and I wouldn't sleep, go to sleep until I'd rolled three perfect 300 games in my mind, you know, uh, where I went through the keys yeah. in my and, uh, and, uh, after the year after I started really working on that, I rolled three, 300 games in one year. No and, kidding. Uh, and, uh, it was, uh, yeah, and I attribute that to the fact that you not only have to set a goal, you have to do the things necessary to achieve it. Yeah. Just hoping for it is, isn't going to cut the mustard very often. 100%. You got to put the work in. So is mental training a big part of your game? Is that something that you apply to your running as well? Oh, I, I guess... Uh, you know, growing up, I always had this daydream, you know, of coming down the home stretch against somebody and nipping them at the finish line. But in reality, that rarely, you really have that opportunity in racing. But people ask me what my most important race was. And believe it or not, it was finishing third at the USATF cross country meet, something like 8K or 10K, I can't remember. 
And the reason it was important was because oh, I was a little tired going in, but I ran hard and I had about a mile and a half to go. And I thought, hey, I've run pretty well. So that demon is whispering in your ear, you, you, know, you probably ought to ease off a little bit because it's not gonna make any difference. Mm -hmm. And then a guy in my age group passed me. You know, I could tell them, we have to wear these back bibs with your ages on them oh, in yeah. championship races. And, you know, instantly, you know, I, I, I picked up my pace to keep up with him. I said, well, maybe I'll just try and hang on his tail. And, yeah. and, uh, and then I sort of kind of picked up the pace and passed him. And now he's behind me. I don't know where he is, but I was convinced he was, he was right there. Right there. So yeah. I was tired already, but I had picked up the pace to about as fast as I thought I could go. Then after a half mile, I picked up the pace some more. Then with a quarter mile to go, I picked it up again. I was in through so many levels of pain that I'd never <laughs> had before. And I beat him, you know, only by about five seconds. Beautiful. And that was when I knew finally that if it came down to it, I had what it took to work through the pain and, and win a race. Mm. And, uh, and since then, uh, training has reinforced that uh, training. I always run each mile faster than the previous one if I'm doing kind of a steady state type run. Uh, if I'm doing a long run, I make sure I finish the last two or three miles faster than all the others. Okay. If you've trained your body to finish faster than you start, to, that'll come out in a race as well. Yeah, yeah. Always train your body to do what you want it to do. Yeah. Was that one of the biggest races in your mind out of all the races you've done? That was the most important one mentally. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean... Otherwise, I would always have this doubt in the back of my mind: Do I, do I have it? Uh, yeah. You know, can I, can I, can I run beyond what I think I'm capable of doing? Yeah. And uh, that was the first time I, I did it. Any other time, I probably finished it. Oh, I probably could have run harder. Right. You know, but that was, that was, all 100% of what I had had there. Uh, and uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a question that a lot of people have about themselves. Like if it really comes to, down to it, do I have what it takes? You know, that could be running or protecting themselves or their loved ones, or it could be a, a number of different things. But once you make it through that, would you agree that your, your confidence just kind of your confidence game goes up mm -hmm. in life in general? Yeah, no, uh, in general, I don't know, I guess. I guess I'm always optimistic and, and, and confident in, okay. in most of the things I do. Yeah. So uh, not sure those lessons came out. Uh, well, I don't know. I have to think on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. What's the next five years or so look like for you, Gene? Oh, well, boy, if it's just more of the same, that'll be great. But <laughs> I'm still trying to outdo that uh, guy in the mirror from the year before. <laughs> now, since I've done a 240 mile race, well, I tried to beat that this year. I ran the Cocodona 250 in Arizona. Oh yeah. And I was prepared for the heat. I was prepared for the big climbs. I was prepared for the distance, but I wasn't prepared for how terrible the footing was. Uh, mm. There was rubble on all the Jeep trail. You know, usually you get on the double track and you figure you can make up time. But that was the worst. The single track was great. The double track just coated with rubble and, mm. you know, it got blisters. And so it was slower than I thought. So I wasn't getting enough sleep. You don't get enough sleep. You slow down and slow down. You don't have enough time to sleep. It's a, it's a death spiral. Yeah. So uh, 
I called it quits after 152 miles. Mm. But uh, so I still have to beat 240 miles, which I did at the Moab 240. <laughs> so I usually overdo it. I'm, I, I, well, I haven't signed up for them yet, but I have two 300 mile races I'm thinking of doing. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> which ones? Well, one's in California. It's called the California Untamed 330. Okay. It's an endurance run like uh, like the ones we've been talking about where the gun goes off and you'll have so many days to reach the finish line. Mm -hmm. Runs from the coast near Eureka to uh, uh, the base of, uh, of Mount Shasta. Okay. Uh, and then the one I'm more likely to do, uh, although I'm likely to do both, is a, a stage race in Australia called the Sink or Swim 500K. Mm. So it would be like averaging 50 miles a day for uh, for uh, six days, okay. Maybe eight days or something. I, I, I don't know. But a couple yeah. of the stages are going to be pretty hard, 67 miles or so, and a lot of it on beach sand. Okay. Uh, but I've done a 200 miler in Australia and it was fantastic. Same race director. It's got to be okay. a great race. Okay. Okay. Wow. So you're not slowing down anytime soon. You're going further and you're going faster. Um, it's just incredible, Gene. <laughs> well, at some point, you know, I'll just have to try and keep my age graded scores up. Um, <laughs> you know, and it said you only have 15 years of good running and I've been running hard for 15 years now. So I'm awful worried that all of a sudden I'll be washed up like uh, a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of runners who, who were really great runners, you know, people who I, you know, not worthy to tie their shoelaces and, uh, you know, I can beat them now, but it's because they've, they've had their, they've had sure. their day. And, uh, but then again, Ed Whitlock was breaking records, uh, all the way until he was, uh, till he died at age 86 at Whoa. age 85, he ran a sub four hour marathon. Guy no was way. Holy cow. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, Joan Samuelson, I mean, you know, she was, you know, winning, marathons way back in her youth and uh in uh, boston 2019 out of 30,000 people she had the highest age graded score of anybody i mean that's just how can somebody be so on top of their game yeah. like that uh you know i had a great race uh you know i was the fourth highest score but you no know, she she was better wow Wow. So there's still places to go. There's still records to beat. This yeah. And even if forward. only they're age graded records, you know, yeah. uh, and there's age group records, you know, those go on forever as long as you can keep running. Yeah. Uh, of course, Ed Whitlock <laughs> has probably shut me out of most of them, but uh, you never know. Uh, I got to ask, uh, what, what does your family think of this? Um, oh, they've had they time get to get a kick uh, out of it. They've had time to get used to it. You know, sure. I was, they knew I enjoyed running and, you know, when I first started running, it was just a matter of keeping up with my daughters. Uh, and uh, so they've uh, enjoyed the voyage of discovery the same same as I have. Okay. So they're used to it by now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, incredible, incredible story. Um, I still, uh, yeah, I'm still kind of done. I remember I said I didn't think anybody would think of, here you are, you know, 
three years after that. <laughs> no kidding. People are still giving me a, giving me a call and wanting to talk to me about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Personally, well, I love to talk about running. <laughs> well, yeah, you've almost reached this level of fame now where uh, you've done all these different races. So soak it up, uh, live in the limelight for a little while. You're, mm. you're, you're doing big things and it's cool. It's, it's inspiring to people. So just keep it up. Um, one of the things I'm doing this year that's different is a, uh, a relay. It's called the Hood to Coast Relay. It's a pretty mm -hmm. famous one, yeah. really big, goes from the well up the slopes of Mount Hood to, to the coast. And for the first time ever, we've put together a team of 12 70-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, so that'll be interesting. We'll try and uh, whip some young butt, you know. Yes. So it's a bunch of different 70-year-olds uh, from around the country? Yeah, all okay. over. Okay. Do you know any of them? Yeah, uh, Amby Burfoot is one. He won the Boston Marathon uh, well back when. Jeannie Rice is my seventy-year-old counterpart on the, on the female side. Uh -huh. um, she holds uh, world records in the in the marathon, and uh, she'll be doing it. She and I are almost exactly the same age. Our birthdays are within a week of each other, uh -huh. so uh, that'll be fun. Um, guess I don't know the other guys, but okay. when you do the, these relays where everybody's going, you know, together in a van to the next stop and so on, you know, you'll know them by the, by the end of the, again. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Do you have a website or where can people follow you? Uh, yes. Ultrageezer.com. All right. Uh, uh, what kind of stuff do you have on your website? Just Well, let's see. It's got my all my results from the last year and then the schedule and results from this year. Um, I should be updating, I just got not enough time now, but I'm putting in a series of uh, essays. I have sort of like a, one that was half started on there, but I've done three more that I haven't put on yet. Um, uh, it has all my publicity things uh, okay. and a place for you to leave comments. I, uh, I respond to all of them. Okay, awesome. Um, what sort of essays? Are they like race reports? Several race reports. Uh, the one that I started with is about eating. And my theory is that runners eat way too much. I'm not talking about this two seconds per pound per mile eating. I'm talking about eating before, tr before a training run, during a training run. It's, it's counterproductive. Uh, you should you should fast before you run and don't eat anything during a training run. That's how to train your body to get the most out of the reserves it has stored yeah. and to teach it to store more. If you're constantly eating food before and during a run, what incentive does your body have yeah. to, uh, to process food better or mm -hmm. process your energy stores better? I burn fat well. Uh, uh, I've stored more glycogen, I think, than most people will. And mm -hmm. it's because my body you know, it needs to, it's yeah. not getting fed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, runners just eat too much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Cool. So you've got some cool stuff on your website. Um, you're on Facebook. Is that pretty much it for social media? Yeah, I have Instagram and Twitter. Okay. Oh, cool. But uh, they're usually I use Instagram just for vacation photos and stuff. Gotcha. I'm My daughter is constantly yelling at me to do better. So uh, <laughs> maybe... Uh, Twitter, uh, I don't know. I just 
never gotten into it. Yeah. If she's going to be uh, your. Although uh, I think I have her tweeting on my behalf. That's just what I was going to say. If your daughter wants to be your agent, just have her do all the work for you. Put a, mm -hmm. put an Instagram up and Twitter and, and whatnot. But it's awesome. People are, people are interested, man. This is good stuff. So Gene, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep an eye on you this year. And I just, I, I want to hear more stories. So um, just get out there and get after it. And uh, Oh, you want another secret? You're looking for secrets, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, nutritionally, there's a new wonder product. Well, not new now, two or three years old, but uh, called Martin, M-A-U-R-T-E-N. Oh. Probably heard about it. Yep. It's, it's what all the elite marathoners use. And I was just using it for marathons. And I went from being able to consume 200 calories in a marathon to almost a thousand. And that is really valuable if you want to finish strong. Okay. Uh, and it turns out to be just really useful in these ultras too. I went through uh, uh, about 3000 calories of it in that, my hundred mile race. I wouldn't have been able to finish the race without it. Mm. The advantages are the, the nutrition gets absorbed very fast and with zero stomach upset. In fact, if I'm a little queasy and switch from real food to Martin, after drinking a bottle of the Martin, I start getting hungry. I mean, not only does it go in there easily, it fixes your, your, uh, you know, incipient nausea. It's okay. just incredible stuff. Okay. If you're really want to get serious about, you know, getting the most out of a run nutritionally, you know, it's, it's amazing stuff. There are probably some competing products, uh, yeah. Uh, but this this is way better than well. I better leave it unnamed. A very very prominent uh, <laughs> the one that's had every company. Release. Yeah. But uh, this is stuff is way better. Okay. Okay. Excellent. A couple good pro tips in here, guys. Um, yeah. Thanks for those. Gene, this has been fascinating. Um, like I said, I'm going to keep an eye on you, and I think several other people are too. So just keep doing what you're doing. Um, we love it. Keep it up. All right. I certainly hope to. And if you're enthusiastic about running and, you know, I'll be pleased to hear from you. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Well, Gene, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. And I hope mm -hmm. you have a uh, good vacation. Have a good time out there. Okay. I will. Well, there's two, two thirds of it is running. It's guaranteed to be pretty good. <laughs> the golfing, yeah, you know, <laughs> you got to take a little time off of, uh, I've only got one hole in one, so I'm hoping for another. There you go. See the methodical, uh, I, I like it. You got to have those goals and it sounds like you've got a lot of them. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much, Gene. Have a good one. Great. Thanks okay. a lot. We'll see you. It was fun. All right. Bye. All right. I want to thank you guys for listening. And I want to thank Gene for coming on the show. Um, I think it's safe to say that Gene trains and runs more than us. What do you think? <laughs> I think he does. I think it's, it's just amazing. Nice work, Gene. It's, it's, so, it's so inspirational. Um, 73 years old and just out there crushing it yeah. and, and not slowing down. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. That is us. We are here for you. This is a company we started in 2019 with the goal of helping people, uh, you know, get butts across finish lines. <laughs> uh, we offer coaching programs tra and training plans from beginner to elite, as well as crewing and pacing for ultramarathon runners. Uh, if we can be a small part in your story, it would feed our soul. We know how to get you to rally and get you into that finish line. We want you 
to do big things. Look us up, big-things-crewing.com. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast so that you're notified when we put a new episode out. If you like what you hear, please write us a review or share it on social media. It is all much appreciated. Uh, these conversations are on YouTube. You can find us there. And we're on all the social media platforms, Big Things Crewing. And as always, our website, big-things-crewing.com. We want to thank our support, Exoskin, the best running apparel from hats to socks and everything in between. No blisters, no chafing, no odor. Check them out. Use our discount code, capital BTC, for 20, well, it was 20% off. It's now 15% off. You guys missed it. 15% off from Exoskin, capital BTC is the promo code there. And thank you to Athletic Brewing for making this possible. A 20% discount code is McRobertsA20, all in caps. We're hooking you guys up with a discount on the best non-alcoholic beer around. And we also want to thank Will and On Pace Wellness. If you want to dial in your nutrition and do big things this year, look up On Pace Wellness. Mention this podcast for a 10% discount. Remember, guys, life is short. Do, Do big, big things, things baby. baby. Pedro, take us for a run. <laughs>